Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Join Justin Townsend and the Harvesting Nature crew as they explore the world of cooking wild fish and game while sharing recipes, tips, tricks, and lessons learned from their pursuit of wild food. We sure hope you ate before the show, as you're going to leave hungry. This is the Wild Fish and Game Podcast. Oh. Hey everybody, welcome back to Harvesting Nature's Wild Fishing Game Podcast. You've got your host here, Justin Townsend, and uh, today we have a very special guest. Uh, excited to talk about uh, some wild game cooking, some adventures, uh, whatever whatever we get into. And, and really, uh, I, I think we're going to touch on uh, probably one of my favorite topics uh, for food is tacos. So uh, as, as many of you know, if you've been listening to this podcast long enough, big taco connoisseur here uh, at the Townsend household. So uh, definitely excited to learn some new recipes and chat through those. But quickly, uh, I'll give you a quick update on everything, and then I will introduce uh, our guest today. So... Basically, the news since the last podcast, I've, I've kind of been recording a lot this week, so my updates are, are pretty much the same. Uh, wrapped up uh, mule deer season, looking forward to both whitetail and elk uh, late seasons here in Colorado. And actually, I'll be up near your neck of the woods, up in Wyoming, from the, the eastern side uh, here uh some point in December yet, still TBD, but uh, outside of that, yeah, just kind of the same old, same old, it's starting to get colder here in Colorado, which I think was a little concerning for everybody because it wasn't, it was really warm here just a couple weeks ago up into the 70s, and it still has yet to get that first, like, first snow here in Denver, so people are concerned as we uh, get very close to Thanksgiving, so um, there is that. Um, for those of you who don't know, we're part of the Way 
Point Podcast Network. So we joined them back uh, a couple months ago, doing some great stuff there. So you can find this podcast there as well as our other podcast, Antler and Finn, which is more of a uh, more of a audio cookbook, I would say. So right now, I think there's five or six recipes on there. We're looking to expand over that on that in the next couple months, but it's a uh, kind of a good way to listen to recipes and you can pause and play as you go through the steps. But uh, check those out; some great stuff there. And as always, our Facebook community page is a great point to interact with uh, every member of the Harvesting Nature crew. I will say that if we have a Facebook page somebody's or a Facebook account, you're definitely on the Facebook community page, which is cool because everybody shares tips, tricks, recipes, photos, success, failures, all that, and it turns into a great conversation point for a lot of things that we're doing. Um, I'm on there pretty much daily, so if you've got some questions or things you want to here on the podcast, that's a great point to uh, to recommend that. So that is the uh, Wild Fishing Game Community, I believe is what it's called. But if you go over to our Facebook page, the Harvesting Nature Facebook page on Facebook, it sounds backwards, but uh, if you check that out, it, there's a link there. Uh, I'll, I'll include those in the show notes as well, so it's an easy find. And as always, we still do hats for reviews, so if you are into hats, and if you're into the Harvesting Nature hats, it's a great way to get a free hat. Uh, if you go on, uh, punch the five-star button, leave a written review. Once we get that, if we think it's really cool, shed lots of cool creative light on the show, then uh, we'll, we'll give you a read on the air and uh, call out your name and then say, hey, reach out to us with your shipping address and your name, and we'll uh, we will send you a free hat. But with that, I... I I think that concludes my little intro here, which is great because that gives us a lot more time to uh, to chat with Annie. So let me introduce her. So our guest today is a wife, mom, registered dietitian, and Wyoming native. In addition to her own website, peaktoplate.com, she contributes to Hunt to Eat, Wildwood Grilling, Outdoor Edge Knives, and other publications showcasing her killer wild game cooking skills. Annie Weiss, say it right? Yep, that's right. Sweet. Annie Weiss. Welcome to the Wild Fishing Game Podcast. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I am uh I'm excited you're on tonight. So uh I was browsing your Instagram page before we got on the show here and I will say that uh it's a very beautiful page with a lot of great looking food. So uh that's always exciting. Gets me excited to talk more about food. And then uh we always recommend it. it's actually in our little I guess uh, our formal intro to the show to like remind everybody to eat before they listen. So tonight I did because I was like, we're going to get into some good food. So I don't want to be hungry like halfway through the show. That's good. <laughs> Hope you ate too. If not, I it's did. okay. Yep, I'm good. Um, well, if you would, why don't you tell us a little bit more about yourself and uh, kind of where you're from and, and how you got introduced into the outdoors. Sure. So um, I grew up in Cody, Wyoming. Um, it's like about an hour outside of Yellowstone. Um, and it's just, it's a really beautiful place. We have um, a lot of great mountains here, but there's, you know, there's a lot of different landscapes around here. So we have mountains, we have prairies, we have um, a lot of rivers, and um, there's just, there's a lot of different fun things to do here. Um, so I grew up here. I left for college for a little bit, um, got my first job and was gone for a while, and now I actually just moved back this summer, so nice. it's been 
really enjoying um, everything that it has to offer. You kind of don't really realize what you're missing until it's gone. So um, happy to be back here. Um, I, you know, I've been cooking for as long as I can remember, um, but I haven't been hunting for that long. Uh, Cody is definitely, it's a pretty big place for hunters and mm -hmm. anglers. Uh, it seems like you're the minority if you don't hunt <laughs> here. So, uh, so feeling right at home. Um, yeah, so I got into hunting, I don't know, a few years ago. Um, I just started really learning about it and everything. Last year was the first year I actually did any hunting myself. I had gone with my husband mm -hmm. um, a, a few years prior just to kind of figure out what everything is about and see if it's something I wanted to do. And now I'm kind of all in, so I'm really enjoying my hunting season this year. Um, I enjoyed it a lot last year, and I just I'm excited for all the different adventures I have ahead of me. Nice, that's awesome. So, um, do you do you also fish or forage as well in in addition to hunting, or is it primarily hunting? Yeah, so uh, I got into fishing way before I got into hunting. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> my husband, when I met him when I was in high school, so we've been together for quite some time. And so I, he was a fly fisherman, so I decided that that was something I needed to do, you know, to impress him, I guess, learn how to learn how <laughs> to do that. And then I ended up loving it, so uh, my stepdad took me out and taught me how to do it, and now we've been doing that ever since. And up here, we have a lot of really awesome fly fishing, so. Mm -hmm. Actually, the first time I ever fly fished was in Cody, uh, or just, I guess, west of Cody on the Shoshone. Mm -hmm. Um I forget if which fork of it, but uh, yeah, I, I was not good at it. It was just looked like I was flailing the rod around and swatting at bugs. But uh, I ended up catching a cutthroat trout, which I was super super jazzed about. So um, nice. But I echo echo the beauty of of fishing up in there. Uh, it, it's a pretty nice place. I actually have I used to have some family that lived there, and I think uh, one of my cousins still lives in Pal, which is nearby. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So. Awesome. Um, so how's your hunting season going so far this year? Uh, luck, failures, su success, maybe success? Sure. So um, I have actually quite a few tags, but I have only had time to do um, go out hunting a few times. Um, I'm a mom. I have two little boys, and so oh, nice. it's kind of hard to plan around everything. Um, and we just bought a house, so... We we're working on that quite a bit, um, but anyway, so I had one day um, that I could go out elk hunting. I had a cow elk tag, and um, we were able to go out, and I was able to fill it on that one day. So that was awesome. Um, it was my first elk, so yeah, yeah. So that was quite the experience. I really, I kind of didn't expect it to happen. I just we wanted to go out and see if we could see a couple elk and just go have a nice a uh, day outside together and. Lo and behold, there were the elk. So, <laughs> yeah, so it was it was pretty it was pretty awesome. So it's great when it comes together that way for sure. Right. So uh, when when we look at so as I look at your website and there's a a lot of very well thought out beautiful dishes here and uh, you know I mentioned earlier in the introduction that you're also a registered dietitian. So is there a is there an intersection between your wild game cooking and, and your career as a dietitian? 
Um, yeah, I kind of. So, I mean, a lot of people think of dietitians as, you know, you should eat this, you shouldn't I guess, eat that. But. I guess, yeah, let me let me start with that. Like, what, uh, what does your dietitian experience consist of to sort of, like, explain what a dietitian does? Because I, I may not even be familiar with it. Sure. So, I mean, uh, dietitians work in all different fields. So, you know, you have your dietitians that work in hospitals, um, ones that work in food service, or ones that work in, like, uh, WIC clinics or mm-hmm. community settings. Um, I actually work for a school district, uh, so in the food service realm. Um, but I don't. I mean, there's actually there's quite a big movement out there now of like non-diet dietitians out there. That, okay. Um, you know, they're more about not labeling foods as good or bad, um, but more of just being more intuitive of how you're eating things, how things make you feel. Um, that sort of thing. So I would say that I'm more of the side of um, just being more intuitive about how you're eating. And um, yeah, so I don't, no foods are off limits or anything like that. Mm -hmm. I definitely have foods that are, you know, more on the lean side, I guess, the foods that are a little bit more indulgent and that's that's okay. Um, But as far as the wild game goes, I... I love cooking with wild game, and I love um, being able to bring it home to my family because it is such a good, high-quality protein. Mm-hmm. Um, it's super rich in lots of vitamins and minerals. You know, it's really lean, um, and I love just being able to feed that to my boys. But I, you know, I'm teaching them how to just enjoy all foods, but just listen to your body. I guess. Yeah. What's uh? I guess. Have you had to motivate them towards wild game, or do they kind of just take to it naturally? Well, they're both very different, I guess. So uh, my oldest, he loves meat, and he always has. Um, Elk was his first meat, and ever since then, you know, he just he loves meat. My, nice. my youngest is a little bit harder to convince sometimes, but mm-hmm. we just, you know, you give it to them over and over again, and eventually they decide to like it. Um, so, yeah, he's getting he's getting there for sure, but my oldest is, all about the meat. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That's really good. I, I wonder, so we, uh, my daughter, so I have a nine-year-old daughter and an 18-month-old son. Uh, actually, I guess he's 20 months now. So he's, he's almost two. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, my daughter, we've raised meat-wise, like, solely on game meat. Like, we've uh, excluded a lot of domestic stuff, unless we know the farmer or the rancher. Like, we've been out and they're like, oh, yeah, there's... There's the cow, and then you know we purchase the, the cow or have a cow or whatever. But been kind of really selective. But she she's all about the wild game, and it was kind of I wouldn't say like a coveted thing, but she's like she understands the specialness of it, and we're starting to kind of get into like the harvesting. We took her out uh, this last weekend. She went out deer hunting with us, and like spent all day walking around. I think we did like nine miles, and she's just like super into it. But at the end of the day, she's like. Or I'm ready to eat some some deer meat or some antelope and all that, mm-hmm. and like she still connects the pieces, which is pretty cool. Yeah, um, yeah, I think that's super important too, is just to teach them where it comes from. Mm-hmm. You know, I think so many kids out there they don't know where meat or any food really. You know, they don't know how much yeah. work actually goes into that. Um, so yeah, that's definitely something that we work on a lot too. Uh, my oldest is always super into like, oh, what are we eating tonight? Oh, I remember that antelope or that deer or whatever. 
you know, this nice. is mom's deer, this is dad's antelope, or <laughs> whatever. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so that's something we definitely talk about, too. So uh, this is one of Corey's favorite questions, and since he's he's not here tonight, I'll go ahead and ask it. But what's what's in your freezer now, and, like, what's next up on the menu, wild game-wise? Sure. So, um, I mean, we have still quite a bit from last year, actually. So last year we had a whitetail doe, a mule mm-hmm. deer, um, and then two antelopes. So we still have a little bit of each of those in there. And then this year... My husband harvested a cow elk, and then I had another cow elk. So I guess oh, we're nice. talking Lots about multiple freezers here now. Yeah. Um, and one antelope this year. Um, I think there's like a few fish in there from this summer, maybe some pheasants still in there. Um, my family also butchers pigs every year. It's like a big okay. family gathering. So we have a bunch of um, farm fresh, I guess, pork in there. And Yeah. Yeah, so we're we're sitting pretty good for the winter. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Um, so, what do you think? What are you going to be cooking next? What's uh, if you have something in mind? What's something you would be like? Boom! I'll do that tomorrow night. Right. Gosh, I don't. I mean, we are coincidentally eating tacos tomorrow night, so. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> no, no surprise there. Uh, but yeah, I don't know what my next recipe is going to be. I need to. I still need to figure that out. Usually I work on that on the weekends, but I'm not quite sure yet. Ooh, nice. How how frequently do you do you write recipes? Um, I mean I try to get to one every week, but I work full time, you know, we're yeah, trying to I know. work on our <laughs> new house and it's hunting season and so it's a little crazy right now. But still trying to stick around once a week. Man, I'm I'm sorry. I'm I'm also looking at all the recipes on your website as well. In addition to the ones that Corey's got us queued up to talk about, like your recipe index is is pretty pretty solid here. Thank you. I like the way you have it organized too. It's got wild game, antelope, venison, upland birds, fish, uh, pork, side dishes. Ooh, freezer friendly. Yeah. I like freezer friendly. What's uh? Let's let's take a look. Oh man, you've got lots of great stuff on here. Um, I know. Speaking of freezer friendly, uh, the homemade bacon recipe. Yeah. What else? How can <laughs> can can you walk me through that a little bit? Sure. Um, so, like I said before, our family butchers a bunch of pigs every year. So we usually get um, half of a hog every year, mm-hmm. and uh, so I save the belly off of it um some of it's good for bacon and some of it's good for like braising i guess so Mm -hmm. um yeah so you take a big slab of pork belly and um, you have to buy some of that pink curing salt to make it um you can make uncured bacon but i haven't centered into there i tried to keep it a little safe i guess Um, (laughs) so yeah a bunch of salt sugar uh, some spices and then you just rub it all over the pork belly and then you can put it in a Ziploc bag. You can get like those really big ones if your piece is uh, pretty big and you kind of just, you put it in there and then put it in the fridge for, it's about a week um, and you just okay. go in there and flip it every day and it just kind of mm-hmm. creates its own wet brine. So you dry brine that's, it but then it, you know. That's what I was going to ask if, if you go with a, a wet brine or a dry brine for it. So start off with a dry brine and then it kind of like, uh, 
exudes moisture over yeah. time. I guess that's yeah, part of the salt. Yeah, Yeah, salt's pulling it out. Yeah, so then um, after about a week of that, you pull it out and then rinse it off um, and then put it back in the fridge and let it dry overnight, like on one mm-hmm. of those uh, baking racks that can go in the oven, I guess. I don't know. Um, like one of the wire racks like you'd cool like chocolate chip cookies on? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, yeah, and then you can pull it back out and you can put whatever spices you want on it. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you can flavor bacon however you want to, really. Um, I use the Wildwood Grilling Spice because it was a recipe for them, but you can definitely use um, anything you want. And then you just need to smoke it. Um, at the time, I didn't actually have a smoker. Now we do, so that is exciting. But there's these little um, tubes that you can get that you can mm-hmm. fill with smoking uh, chips like or pellets. Smoke smoke tubes, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. Yeah, so I just use one of those on a regular grill um, and then put in one of the thermometers that you can monitor, I guess, um, until, let's see, I can't remember, I think 165. Yep, um, that's going to be a good temp. Yeah, oh. and then... One, uh, 180. I think that's Get the grill right. smoker to 180, I think. Yeah, but the internal temp. Of the oh, pork, internal like 165. temp, 165, yeah, yep. And then, yeah, and then you just let it cool a little bit and then put it back in the fridge and let it cool all the way before you slice it and then you just cook it up like you would bacon. And it's really good. <laughs> it looks, it looks, the the photograph is, is mouth-watering, I will say that. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> yeah. Um... It's cool, and you've got the wood chips there, wild cherry. Do you tend to, uh, if you've done it in the past, and I know you said this one was for wild wood grilling, but have you used other types of chips when, when doing it other than the, the cherry? Um, I mean, I think hickory's pretty common, but mm-hmm. like all of your fruit woods are pretty, pretty common to be used for um, bacon, like apple and cherry. Yep. I was going to say, uh, I'm, a, I'm a big apple fan. Growing up, if we didn't have charcoal, we had an apple tree, and we generally had, like, branches or some dead growth from the apple tree that we would use to make, like, little fires cook over. Mm-hmm. And uh, apple is always pretty phenomenal. Yeah, it gives such a different flavor depending on the wood you use. So it's cool to try out different things. Absolutely. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX is The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX is The Veil, now streaming only on Hulu. All right, well, let's switch it up a little bit. 
because we've got some taco recipes to talk through. So let me ask you this before we go through these. What is your favorite taco? Yeah, that is a tough one. Um, I mean, I would say definitely the low and slow cook. Mm -hmm. Um, Shoulder makes a really great taco Mm. with the bone in. You know, the bone really gives the juice, I guess, a really good good rich flavor. Um, So, yeah, I have a shredded street taco recipe that I love. Um, It is... It takes a little bit of work, but it's totally worth it. Ooh, let me see this one. Let's let's talk through that one since you opened up with it. Sure. Um, just waiting for it to open for me here. Oh, look! In the in the leading sentence, tacos are your favorite food too. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Oh man. So a lot of chilies. So I'm noticing in this you're using your dried chilies, and then you're also using uh, some of the canned red chilies. Yeah, some of the chipotles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, I the recipe uses guajillos and pasillas, um, mm-hmm. but I don't know. I mean, you can use any combination of dried chilies that you can find or, you know, whatever's available to you. Um, but the... I guess kind of special part about this recipe is you make like a puree out of the dried mm-hmm. chilies um, with some onions and garlic and spices and then you heat up some lard in a Dutch oven and then you add in that puree and just kind of keep stirring it and stirring it until it gets a little bit toasted and just like really fragrant um, and that just gives it like a really deep flavor. Um, and then you add in your stock or your broth and some cinnamon sticks and bay leaves. Cinnamon, yeah. Um, and then you put your shoulder in there. And I do um, sear the outside of the shoulder before it goes in there as well. Some nice caramelization. It gives a good flavor. So mm-hmm. let, let me ask you this. So uh, bone-in blade roast. So when you use your blade roast for this, are you just going from like... Essentially, just I see in your middle picture there, it's like it is the blade, the bone. Uh, do you use any portion lower than that, or do you say that those cuts lower than that for something else? Um, no, yeah, we pretty much just cut it right at that joint there. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's um, good to know. Yeah. And I guess I, I'm uh, no, no, no. You're good. Okay. I'm guessing that. Uh, you, it, the meat's considered done when you can pull out the shoulder bone. Right, yeah. And it, it is quite a while, I think, that that one cooks. Yeah, like six to eight hours. Crock pot. Um, yeah, so you can, you can put it in the crock pot. Um, I refer to the Dutch oven as the OG crock pot. So. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. There's just something special about cooking in a Dutch oven. I love it. I have one, you know, and it, it sees everything from, like, braised meats, you know, fancy red wine braised meats to, like, sourdough bread to, you know, uh, I, I fry fish in it, too. Like, it's a... Uh, yeah, it's a great... I think a great pretty versatile. Uh, man, those tacos look great. Thank you. I really like the use of the paste. And uh, I, I've done it before. You know, you if you have you ever made uh, like pozole or any of mm-hmm. the like soups. So like that that paste kind of reminds me of like the pozole paste. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, I have a pozole recipe on here, actually. Ooh. Is it green or red? It is red. So it's pretty similar, I think, um, to this one. Oh, I probably spelled it wrong. Pozole. There we go. Shredded venison shoulder. Yeah. Oh, yeah, very similar. You're using the chilies again. Mm-hmm. Looks like oregano, salt, and cumin. Yeah. Yep, same paste. Hominy, man. I love hominy. Yeah, I love to get the um, actual dried hominy and yep. soak it and then cook it. It has a much different flavor and texture than the canned stuff. Absolutely. I uh, we, we grow, so uh, I'm originally from Oklahoma, and I'm... My ethnicity, uh, I'm, I'm a member of the Choctaw Nation of Oklahoma, and one of the big, uh, we make a hominy dish called Bashofa, and uh, you use cracked hominy, so like the dried cracked version, and you cook it with like uh, pork shoulder, pork roast, until it's like chunky, but the, mm -hmm. you have to use the dried stuff. The canned uh, just kind of like falls apart. Yeah, yep. I found uh, frozen too, actually, before, and the frozen is pretty good too. Really? Uh huh. I haven't. I don't think I've ever seen frozen hominy. I'll have to yeah. keep an eye out. Man, that looks good too. I like what you do with the. It's a really beautiful picture. Your your photography skills are really awesome. I just say I know I'm like. I, I hope it's not weird that I keep complimenting you, but it's like I'm like, wow, that's a really beautiful picture. Oh, thank you so much. A lot of work goes into them, so I appreciate yeah, that. Yeah, no, I know. Uh, man, it, it's taken, you know, it's taken a while to kind of, like, hash out and uh, my own photos and even, like, in the very beginning when I started writing recipes and doing a lot of photography back, gosh, probably 10 years ago when we kind of launched Harvesting Nature, mm -hmm. it was like, hey, here's, like, a cell phone picture and, like, you know, what we get, sure. get it going on, but, yeah went through growing pains and and now it's uh i don't know i'm pretty proud of my stuff too that's good yeah yeah if you look too far back on here you will find some of those cell phone pictures so i think <laughs> i think that's pretty it's a natural form of progression yep. for anybody yeah but let's see Ooh, as we're on the uh let's talk about these barbacoa tacos sure let me let me ask you this, and, and there's no right or wrong answer, so I'll preface that. Is uh, when you think about a taco, when you think about the end result of the taco, the taco itself, what are some things in your mind that you always are like, it's got to be there, or do you just go freestyle with your tacos? Um. Well, I mean, there are certain things that definitely have to be there, but they don't have to be the same thing every time, you know. So. Okay. The tortilla is obviously uh -huh. pretty important. Um. I like to find these ones, I can't, I think it's like La Tortilla Factory or something. Um, oh, yeah, in San Diego. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that's, that's, that's where it's at. <laughs> okay. Um, anyways, they're a blend of corn and wheat, and so they mm -hmm. have that corn flavor, but they're super pliable, mm -hmm. um, so they don't break as easily. So I like to find, you know, a really good tortilla to start with um, that has okay. good flavor, not just a boring one, I guess. I mean, I don't know. I love the mission corn tortillas, too, for different applications. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and then, obviously, you need meat. I don't really venture into the vegetarian tacos too much, although I'm not 
you know, I eat plenty of vegetables, but sure. <laughs> meat should be in these tacos. So, yeah, so you need tortilla and meat, and then I like to always have some sort of acid, you know, whether okay. that is um, a squeeze of lime on it or on your classic tacos. You know, you have, like, um, either a salsa or diced tomatoes or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then something crunchy, I think, is a necessity. So, so wait, when you say something crunchy, mm-hmm. what do you mean? Yeah, so, like, on my barbacoa tacos, I have some diced onion and radishes, so oh, a yep. little something extra for the texture. Um, you know, on classic tacos, like shredded lettuce works just fine. Um, mm-hmm. Or, like, a cabbage slaw um, or... See what else? Oh, like pickled onions. Oh, man. I'm so, such a fan of pickled onions. Yeah, they add so much to anything you put them up. And I have I, I have a great pickled onion recipe that, like, people come over and they're like, no, 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 like, I don't like onions. I'm like, look, we're having tacos tonight. I was like, just give these onions a try. Like, put them on the taco and mm-hmm. just, just give it a go. And they're like, oh, you know, okay, I guess. And then they try it. And it's just like pickled onions are a game changer. Yeah, they are awesome. So, but, uh, yeah, I'd so say those are the basics. I mean... Do you cheese. find cheese is a necessity on, on tacos? Yeah, so, I mean, I like cheese, for sure. I'm mm-hmm. definitely a big cheese fan. But I don't think it always has to be there. Okay, okay. Um, yeah, like on my barbacoa tacos, they're, I don't put cheese on those ones, and they are awesome still. So, um, but definitely a big cheese fan, Um queso fresco or cotija is good mm-hmm. or even just like shredded cheddar cheese on a ground taco like is yeah. all good. I'm looking here at your uh, the barbacoa recipe. So another like very similar you like the slow braised kind of meats mm-hmm. which is good. I think it gives a lot especially with tacos it gives you a lot of flexibility and then once you make it if you only eat three tacos you got meat left over. Right. Yeah, this one, um, all the shredded ones, they freeze super well if you save Mm -hmm. some of the juice and just vacuum seal it, um, or even just put it in a Ziploc and squeeze out all the air, then Mm -hmm. it freezes really well. I think you you hit a good point there with that is, and I've seen a lot of people mess up with that, like, oh, when I reheated, like, it came out super dry. You got to keep the juice. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, you don't. Oh, go ahead. (laughs) <laughs> I, I used to work at a taco restaurant, and then we, when I first started and took over the kitchen there, we were getting a lot of complaints with the beef, and it was a shredded beef. And uh, they w- would pressure cook the beef beforehand, and then uh, would put it in like a nine pan, and then it would go in, in the warmers, uh, be heated up and go in the warmers for service, and then throughout like the day it would naturally get like drier. Mm-hmm. And then so sometimes people are like, it's just too dry. And so what I found out was like exactly that. The cooks were not adding the cooking liquid back in. Oh, they were just mm-hmm. discarding it. And I was like, whoa, 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 Like, you guys are missing out. First off, it's going to continue to put, it's going to continue to impart really good flavor mm-hmm. into the meat. But second off, like, you're putting it in the refrigerator. It's just going to dry out if you just throw the meat in there in the pan by itself. Yeah, so. of course. Yep. That's a hot tip. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, let's see. Oh man. Alright, let's let's totally switch it up. Because I don't think I've ever had trout tacos. Hmm. Yeah. What what led you to trout tacos? Um, well, 
first of all, we have all these trout, and second, I love tacos. So that's, <laughs> <laughs> that's about the all Perfect there is intersection <laughs> point. <laughs> so, yeah, so these ones, um, I mean, I like to make these fish tacos out of, I, I mean, really any flaky fish works pretty well for it. Um, I chose to sous vide them just for fun, mm. um, but you can... You know, however you like to get to, like, flaked fish, go for that method if you bake it or pan fry fillets or whatever you choose to do. Um, but then the method after that is super simple. I just take those little cans of chipotles in adobo mm -hmm. sauce. And, and you can even, sometimes you can just find the adobo sauce on its own. Um, so you take that sauce out of there and you mix it in with the fish in a pan and chop up a little bit of the chipotle depending on how spicy oh, you want it yeah um, and then just add in a little bit of lime juice and just until it's heated up really and then it's ready to go oh wow yeah I like that so sous vide then flake then season with chipotle wait did I miss a step do you, you put the chipotle sauce in into the fish in the sous vide um, yeah, I did that, but that's not 100% necessary, really. Okay, okay. Um, yeah, just mostly putting the sauce in with the cooked fish. And then at the end, you get this, like, really saucy, delicious flaked fish, which you mm -hmm. then take slaw and... What is this? Uh, an avocado cream sauce. Mm -hmm. I love avocado cream sauce. Yeah. It looks very saucy. I don't know whose hand that is in the picture there, but it's, it's covered with sauce. <laughs> That's my hand. Which, which is it? Oh, sorry. It's a small picture. Yeah. <laughs> it's a. Uh, it's a good sign of a good taco. Like yes, definitely. That's awesome. Yeah, so it's really super simple to make out of any yeah. fish, really, and it's always good. I have a. Uh, I've got some trout in my freezer. I think. Uh, I think this is going to happen this weekend. Actually. Nice. My wife, she's uh, she eats fish. She does not eat meat, but she eats fish. Oh, so, okay. Uh, we tend to save the fish for special stuff for her. Mm -hmm. And then let's go. Let's change gears back to the. Uh, let's go to the classic wild game ground taco. Sure. Um, yeah. So this one, you know, is a staple in every household, whether you eat wild game or not. It's mm -hmm. just the classic American ground taco. Um, I don't know where this taco actually originated. You know, I don't know if it's really American or any. I don't know. Um, yeah. So this one, I I like to make my own taco seasoning instead of buying the ready-made stuff. Um, I yes. like to. I I appreciate that so much. <laughs> Yeah. It's so simple. Ditch ditch the package, guys. Just like use use make it yourself. Yeah, it, it's not that hard. Um, I like to make a big batch of it and then put it in a jar and then it's ready to go um, for the next time I want to use it. Uh, a couple things that I do differently um, with wild game to make it a little more moist. Um, we don't ever grind fat into our wild game because I like to be able to decide how much fat I want to be mm -hmm. in a recipe. So, you know, if I want to have sausage, then I can decide at that time that I want it to have more fat in it, that sort of thing. Um, so I like to mix 
the taco seasoning and then mix it into the meat like it's a like you're making a sausage mm-hmm. um, and that kind of helps it from you kind of skip that step of trying to cook the meat and then adding in the seasoning and then it doesn't get mixed in all the way or yep any of that um, and then I cook it in lard um, pork lard you could use you know any sort like bear if you had that um, or any other sort of animal fat that you like to use. Um, Do you think you could, you, you think you would recommend using like a uh, butter maybe? Um, yeah, you could try it. I don't, it might give a, a little more of like a rich flavor mm-hmm. to it. Just make sure it doesn't get like too hot, I guess. Um, yeah. Yeah. Or ghee. I guess ghee mm-hmm. would prevent that. If you use ghee, yeah. might kind of help with the smoke point of the butter. Right. Yeah, so I uh, I always have lard on hand because I make it from the pigs that we butcher. Um, and then, yeah, so I put that in there and then I cook the meat up. And then I like to add in some tomato paste and some stock or broth um, and kind of let that simmer down a little bit until there's a little bit of a sauce in there. You don't want it to completely absorb it, but then it has a little bit more moisture in there and adds some extra flavor. Yeah, I think that's really good, especially with the wild game. It's so lean and dry. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, d- I do the same. I don't add fat into mine if uh, if I'm going to, like, make sausage or something, just as you said, like, I'll add it in later. But I don't know. I, I've i done it myself, and I've gotten it from the processor, and I still just prefer it without any fat or suet or anything in it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Ooh, pronghorn carne asada. That one wasn't on the list. <laughs> yeah, that one is a good one, too. Ooh, a chimichurri. You're like, these are two, so carne asada um, and then chimichurri are like probably two of my favorite marinade slash sauces, mm-hmm. especially with wild game. I have um, over on our page, if you go take a look, uh, I think it's a, like a venison taco, but it's venison carne asada, essentially, mm-hmm. and uh, it's using... A, like a, a really great carne asada sauce recipe. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't use a chimichurri to top it with, but I'm I'm curious because have, we have another recipe that's a chimichurri <laughs> as well. Uh-huh. But man, it looks good. So do you like the chimichurri sauce to be super chunky? Um, I I don't know how to describe how small I like it. Uh, I just chop it up super fine. I don't blend it. Uh-huh. You um, don't blend it. No, okay. I cut it up by hand, but about as small as I can get it, I guess. Nice. Have you ever done it with a food processor? Um, I have, but I just I like the flavor a lot better and the texture if you do it uh-huh. by hand. Um, you kind of get that crunch in there, and I think sometimes if you put the olive oil in the food processor, it can get kind of bitter if your stuff doesn't get blended up before yep. the olive oil gets blended too far, I guess. Yeah, no, no, that's fair. Ooh, yeah, it looks good. So then, um, let me see what cut of meat you're using here. Bottom round? Mm Mm-hmm. It's a good one. So that's the square, square piece, I think. I don't know. Yeah. I'm trying to get uh, <laughs> trying to get better on my visually identifying the cuts of meat. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of like a big flat rectangle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Perfect. That's that's, that's <laughs> yeah. the one I thought it was. So I feel comfortable now. 
Um, no, it's really good. How long do you let it marinate in there? Let's see. So I actually don't like to let it marinate for too long. I like it to mm-hmm. have enough time to absorb a little bit of that flavor, but um, especially with something super acidic like this marinade, it can actually do the opposite of what you're going for and toughen mm-hmm. up the meat a little bit. So you I get try that not like, to. kind of grainy texture on the outside too. Yeah, because with all that acid in there, it can kind of, it's not cooking, but you know, like how ceviche works out, kind of mm-hmm. cooks it with the acid. It can do that and then it, the texture is off. And um, yeah, so I think like less than two hours is pretty good. Nice. Yeah, it looks really good. Thank and then you. topping it with the chimichurri sauce, like that's that's a lot of really good flavor there. Yeah, and you can definitely put that in a tortilla and call it a taco. So. One hundred percent. Yeah, I support this message. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, I'm trying to see any any other taco recipes you got floating around while while we're on the topic of tacos, Gosh, <laughs> or any that are swimming around in your head that you're like, I'm gonna. I'm going to make this soon. Yeah, I don't think I have any more on my website, but I do have a few ideas, but I don't think I can tell you about them yet. So No, that's okay. I'll wait. I'll wait. I'll wait till they come out. Okay. That's okay. Um, what, what's probably one of your favorite recipes that you've got that you go to or revisit frequently, or do you do not even revisit recipes? Because I also know how that goes, where you're like just constantly creating, so mm-hmm. it's like, what new thing am I going to do next? But, you know, sure. I don't know. My family has some favorites that I've made, and I'll, I'll go back and make them again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I mean, any taco recipe for sure. Um, but then just the easy weeknight recipes are nice. Um, you mentioned that I have, like, a freezer-friendly section on my website. Um, so I love to have different meals ready to go in the freezer. So if at all possible... Um, you know, make it a double batch of something and then put it in the freezer. So I have like those stout mac and cheese that I like to make and you can put it in like a foil pan and put it in the freezer. Um, Ooh, where's that one at? Stout mac and cheese with pronghorn Italian sausage. Yeah. Holy smokes. That sounds great. <laughs> yeah, it's a little indulgent, but it is worth it. So it is good. Um yeah, so that one, I, again, I make my own Italian sausage seasoning. Uh-huh. Um, that one, too, you know, you can mix up a bunch of it and keep it on hand for whenever you want to make sausage. Um, that's something I do, too. I guess a lot of people, you know, they make 20 pounds of Italian sausage or something, and then you're stuck with 20 pounds of Italian sausage if you don't, if you want it or not. So I like to just, um, it takes a little bit more preparation and planning ahead of, making sure your meat's thawed, mix in your seasoning, mm-hmm. and then just let it sit overnight and kind of marinate okay. in there. Um, and then you only have one pound of Italian sausage and yeah, a ton of it. That's true. Ooh. Yeah, so it's Italian sausage and then um, a stout cheese sauce. So um, cook up some onions and think add in some a little bit of flour to thicken it and then add in a bunch of stout and let it get um, a little bit thick and bubbly. So the stout is most of your liquid for the cheese sauce. Mm-hmm. And then add I in. love, I love a good beer cheese. Yeah. Like, 
oh, it's so good. Mm-hmm. I think those two things complement each other really, really well. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then just mix it in with your noodles and the meat, and then put some breadcrumbs on it, and then either put it in the oven or make extra and put it in the freezer, and then thaw it out and it's ready to go um, whenever you want to bake it. Yeah, that's really cool. I like the the freezing part of it because then you know, especially like as we're getting into the holidays, mm-hmm. this would be a good. Uh, this is another hot tip for those listening. <laughs> like, make some mac and cheese ahead of time and stick it in the freezer. Enjoy a pan now and save another one for Thanksgiving. And right, boom, there you go. Yep. So um, I just like to have a lot of meals around like that because um, we are a busy normal family, mm-hmm. you know, with lots of things going on, so it's nice to have easy things ready to go. Ooh, you have a ramen recipe? I do. I think I have a couple, actually. But I'm looking, sorry, I'm looking at the whitetail ramen. Mm-hmm. So you, you do your own broth as well? I do, yep. Ooh, that's a great picture of the broth. Lots of garlic and green onion. Mm-hmm. Lots of ginger. Yep. We just did a, or I, I actually just taught a uh, stock class, mm-hmm. uh, and we did a pork stock. I had some wild pork uh, bones on hand from one that I butchered last year for a friend, and uh, I used uh, some bacon in it as well to kind of get it going and it really gave it this just really delicious smoky flavor nice. um i had like one participant on my class and he was just drank whiskey and watched me teach and i was like okay this is cool but uh if anybody's interested that class is available on demand so if you want to learn how to make stock or the pork stock got it on there but also too uh annie's recipe here for the uh ramen stock is pretty phenomenal. I like the ginger in there as well. Yeah, it's... uh, Pickled onions? Yep, pickled onions, for sure. (laughs) But this one's got ginger in it now, right? I don't think your other one did. The broth? No, 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 the pickled onions. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so sometimes I like to put in a little bit of something extra depending on what I'm using them for. Um, Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think this one had like ginger and uh, red pepper flakes or something in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and on some garlic too. So yeah, you can add whatever you want to them and make them a little more interesting. Although they're pretty interesting on their own, anyway. But you got the grilled or is it pan pan seared bok choy? Mm-hmm. Ooh, those are good. Oh yeah, this looks great. And then I appreciate the uh, the not fully cooked uh, egg there. Oh yeah, parboiled <laughs> egg. Mm-hmm. Yeah so good yeah and you know what's funny is like you, you go to ramen shops sometimes and I, I i love ramen so I, I typically eat it a lot of places i go and it's it's like it's hit or miss when you get the parboiled egg like mm-hmm. some people can do it and some people are like here's a boiled egg <laughs> yeah which not not gonna knock it because it's still good but right. that that like ooey gooey goodness of a parboiled egg is just phenomenal mm-hmm. yeah. oh man um, sweet. This is the, the greatest. So. <laughs> Thank you. What's one of your favorite upland bird ones? 
Um, I don't have that many of them, um, but definitely the butter pheasant is my favorite. Ooh. Is that like uh, when you think about like buttered chicken, like uh, Indian food? Mm-hmm. Yep. Exactly. Ooh, with the coconut milk, too? Mm-hmm. I think people, um, you know, people often get intimidated by when you start talking about marsala, uh, masalas and the different flavors and curries and things like that. But, you know, it, it, at the end of the day, it's just like a, a great blend of spices that's like mm-hmm. really traditionally used and just has been used throughout time so much within that culture that the dishes that it's cooked in, it's like almost a, the perfect spice mixture for mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Yeah, it's just super... Um, deep flavor Mm -hmm. hard to to describe unless you try it yeah but not always and people think of like when you start talking about curries and things like that 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 they're spicy Mm -hmm. like heat hot spicy and they're they're not necessarily and I think uh, you know this is another prime example of like you kind of creating your own spices and stuff of of you being able to control how much. So if you're like, oh, well, you know, I want to dial back the heat a little bit. Mm-hmm. And maybe I don't put cayenne in there or I don't add in as much black pepper and, you know, plus something or add something else further in. So, Right. Yeah, and um, I find myself doing that a lot of adjusting the spiciness and then um, mm-hmm. giving it to my kids with a little bit of spicy, you know, because you don't want it to be boring. But then... Yep adding in more for us. I've slowly been like spicing my, my daughter's food little and little and little mm-hmm. like more and more because I, I keep telling her she's like dad this is spicy I'm like look you got to eat it it's like build your tolerance and then you'll you know you'll be good. Mm-hmm. Yeah definitely you have to do it a little bit at a time. Yeah. <laughs> like here here's some Frank's hot sauce go to town. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> she's not appreciate that at all. Cool, yeah, the pheasant. Ooh, the buttered. That's good. Sweet. Any uh, any other recipes that pop in your mind on on the website that you'd like to mention, or any uh, <coughs> any trips or adventures or anything that pops up that that you want to share with the uh, with the listeners? Um, sure. So, I guess recipes. I think my favorite recipe, and I just made it this summer, um, I took a mule deer backstrap and I just, I, you know, pan seared it in a cast iron, mm-hmm. um, just pretty classic there. And then uh, up here we have access to flathead cherries. Ooh, what is the flathead cherry? So um, I don't think it's actually a specific variety of cherry. It's just a region in Montana. Um, okay. And it's a just kind of like a novelty up here. Uh, I think the season is like maybe three or four weeks that they harvest them. Um, and they're just really good cherries. Um, but I then I made a pan sauce out of the cherries um, and added in some shallots and thyme and um, sherry wine and cooked it down. Mm-hmm. And it's just super simple, but really flavorful and it's, it's really good 
it does look it looks really really phenomenal. So do you think that that someone could do this with any type of cherry? Oh yeah, definitely. And I think even um, you know it's not cherry season right now, but if you can find some um, frozen cherries, you know the sauce gets cooked so much anyways. It's not mm-hmm. like it has to have that firm texture. So I think you could definitely do it now. Do you recommend like a darker, a dark cherry? Yeah, so the cherries I used, um, they are flathead cherries, but they are just a dark, sweet cherry. They're very, very dark. It looks almost like the color of like red wine mm-hmm. in your sauce. It's like the last picture is like in the nice little chalice mm-hmm. looking thing, and it it looks like a glass of wine. <laughs> yep. Yeah, those are uh, antique family heirlooms, so they're just, they're fun little glasses to use for pictures. There it's. That's pretty cool. Thanks. Oh, and did you use the same cherries for this uh, smoked pheasant? No, um, that one is just using cherry chips, uh, wood chips. So. Oh, cherry wood chips. Mm-hmm. Oh, got it. It's still really good, though, and you do like the, you kind of like a spatchcocked pheasant with the skewers holding it open. That's really cool. Yeah. I'm a big fan of that. When you start talking about roasting whole birds, it just cuts down so much cook time, Mm -hmm. and it more evenly cooks it. Mm -hmm. Awesome. As you can tell, I get really excited (laughs) about food. (laughs) So do I. Yeah. That's good. Well, it shows through in... um, I see, so uh, there's some mention, we, we mentioned in the intro, like Hunt to Eat and Outdoor Edge Knives. Uh, any, I guess, how how involved have you been with the recipes there, or what recipes have you created for them, if you recall? Yeah, so uh, Wildwood Grilling, I do have a couple um, that are just for them, I guess. So, mm-hmm. um, gosh, I have that bacon recipe, and then I have some little mini venison meatloaf that I cook on a plank and I made some yep. smoked uh, tomato jam that went with that mm. and that was really good um, and then I actually made some chicken thighs for them um, but so they're the only ones that I've actually made recipes that are just for them Outdoor Edge and Hunt to Eat um, all those recipes are still on my website too uh, I do have a new partnership coming up with LEM so I'm super excited okay. about that um, oh, nice. Congrats. Thank you. Yeah, so we'll be making some recipes for them, too. Ooh, well, we're definitely excited <laughs> to see those. Um, so I guess we're kind of like winding down on time here, and this is kind of a... Uh, well, let me throw this out first. What's a great way for people to connect with you? I know we mentioned your website, Peak to Plate, but... Uh, on social media or anything, what's a, a good way if people want to reach out, ask questions, or tell you how awesome the recipes are? Uh, what, what's a good way? Sure. So uh, I mostly hang out on Instagram, so I'm at peach.2.plate. Um, okay. So yeah, you know, feel free to check out things there. Um, I respond to messages. Uh, I love talking to people about all sorts of different topics. So uh, yeah, that's definitely the best place to reach me. You can also email me on my website if you want to. Um, Sweet. Yeah. Um, that's awesome. Well, thanks for that. I, I hope that everybody takes a moment and goes over and uh, gives a uh, peek to play to follow. 
uh, on Instagram and, and reach out if you have any questions or comments. Um, but also, too, this is kind of like the last part of the show where uh, we do any misfires, alibis, or last notes. So if you have a, a last thought or a idea or anything you want to leave uh, or question, if you want to ask me a question, too, feel free. It's uh, the, the floor is yours. Sure. Um, gosh, so, you know, I haven't been um, hunting for that long, but, uh, you know, since in the short period of time that I have been hunting, I have just um, absolutely loved it. You know, I've just really enjoyed just being outdoors. I've always loved the outdoors, but now I just, I see it in a different way. Um, mm-hmm. I see it as a way to provide for my family, which is super important to me. Um, I've always loved cooking and cooking wild game, but now it's just such a big note of pride for me to be able to cook meat that I actually harvested. Um, we haven't dug into my elk yet for this year's, but I'm so excited to be able to dig into that. Um, elk is my absolute favorite, so I'm Ooh, really, nice. really excited about that. Um, yeah, but you know, if anyone is like apprehensive about getting into hunting, um, I know that there's a lot more people getting into it now than it seems like there have been in the past, but um, yeah, just you need just a good mentor and a lot of good research, um, but it's absolutely worth all the hard work that goes into it. It's such an awesome experience that um, I'm sure most people that listen understand that, but if you don't, you just have to do it to find out. Absolutely. And and at the end of the day, you end up with uh, something great to cook up for family and friends. Yeah. Like, yep. Awesome. Well, thanks for coming on tonight. Uh, I really appreciate it once again, taking the time to chat with me and I absolutely love talking about the tacos. Uh, I, I think you you got some great recipes, as I mentioned. So I'm excited to go through. Like I said, that I think the trout uh, tacos is going to be up uh, on the top of my list here coming up very, very soon. Um, and uh, I will say for everyone out there listening, thank you for listening. And that all the links to these recipes and everything we discussed tonight, if there is a link, it will be in the show notes. So if you're looking on... Uh, on the Harvesting Nature website at this, scroll down a little bit, whatever podcast platform you're listening to, you can hit the little drop down or scroll down within that app and it'll have those links available. If you're listening on YouTube, uh, you might have to get a little more creative and actually go to peaktoplate.com and kind of poke around, which is fun unto itself. Uh, but we haven't quite mastered the art of transitioning those links over to YouTube, but we're getting there, so be patient, we will. Um, as always, uh, like I mentioned earlier, make sure uh, you go and give Annie a follow uh, on her Instagram. Visit the website. Once you're done with there, hop over to uh, Harvesting Nature's page on whatever uh, social media platform you're on and uh, give us a like as well so you can stay up to date with what's going on in in, in our world. And then uh, whatever podcast platform you're listening to, please punch that five-star button and uh, leave us a review. Tell us what we're doing wrong or, you know, Tell us what we're doing right. Thanks, everybody. Have a good night. In Wild Country, rules were not created by man. Don't miss Wild Country, Wednesdays from 7 to 11 p.m. Eastern. Presented by Primos. Speak the language. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. 
On Mondays, head offshore with Captain Scott Walker and Steve Roger for breathtaking deep sea adventures. Coming to me, coming to me, coming to me. Double. He's jumping, he's jumping, he's jumping. Oh! oh. Don't miss Mondays with Into the Blue. Brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern. Tell a few fish stories along the way. On Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.